Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. <laughs> Andy Jacobs, I'm sorry. John, just the way John leans, he loves a bit of social distancing. Yeah, we've, we've basically got a phone on the end of a very long pole to do this intro it's for the podcast. postcode, I think. Yeah. It's like he's fishing. We're talking to which, that's our guest tomorrow. But anyway, uh, what do we like today, Andy? It's all yours. Well, we had, a, if you like hearing Paul and I chat... I don't this is the show for you, yeah. because uh, we had three good chats today. Uh, there was a clips of the midweek. Uh, we had a little bit about uh, Meghan Markle that you brilliantly brought back to sport, I yeah, thought. Yeah. Um, we spoke to a guy who's done a film about Michael Jordan, or more about Jordan's shoes, yeah. uh, Air Jordans. And uh, Damon and Hill and Johnny Herbert. That's right. Damon and Hill and Johnny Herbert. That's, you get three for the price of two there. So uh, here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Maybe we should kick off mm. then nailing uh, your hunger because um, you, you, you said to me earlier on, oh, I'm starving, I'm starving. And I said, well, what did you have for breakfast? Because you've got this system. You don't have lunch. You have a big breakfast, yeah. no lunch. That's then, your system, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and then I don't eat till dinner. And then why I try is that? Why, why, why do just, you think that's just, good for you? I, I just felt that... I, I used to eat just before the show, and I felt it sort of kind of slowed me down. I remember having a pasta one day and just feeling like, wow. Really, that's, yes. You know, that's not really the live heavy. pre-match meal, is it? No, Tea really. and toast, chicken and beans, you know how it works. Mm. Not, not a massive amount of That's pasta. right. So yeah. I, I evolved this method of having a big breakfast and then eating in the evening, and that was it. Yeah. And, uh, and it kind of, look, I'm not thin, but I'm not massively overweight either yeah. so it kind of works for me that's fine but I don't know the last two days yesterday I, I had a packet of hula hoops in my pocket so even though I'd had a big breakfast <laughs> or were you just pleased to see me <laughs> I was I ate them before the show oh yeah today I walked past the donut shop in Borough High Street oh yeah I lingered there for about a minute <laughs> Honestly. We're just guilt, feeling guilty. Oh, I wanted to go in. The, the, the jam one just looked <clears throat> sensational. Oh, you of all the choices. If you're oh, no, in the donut not, business. I like the, your bog standard donut. I don't oh, like all no, these fancy. Traditionalist in the donut world. Donuts. You don't no, you don't like these. No. I had, uh, I wanted to, uh, well, a place my son was living just outside of Boston. They had this donut specialist place mm. that did the bacon maple donut. Whoa. I had, I had, I had <laughs> maple syrup. And bacon on it. Uh, would that, would it I'm mm. trying to make you hungry. <laughs> suddenly, for a man who only likes jam donuts, <laughs> yeah. well, you're no, suddenly actually, very interested. There's a Japanese cafe that does 
egg mayonnaise donuts. They're fantastic. Egg mayonnaise. Doesn't sound like that would be good, but it, it's incredible. You're listening incredible. to Talk Sport, by the way. <laughs> well, it's International Premier Week. League chairman are meeting this minute <laughs> and the game on the cusp of oh, collapse. We've all heard but all about uh, that. anyway, donuts just donuts a bit of light relief. Yeah. So, um, so t- just tell us what you had for breakfast this morning, bacon. Jeff Capes, and we'll decide whether you should be hungry or not. Uh, I had two rashes of bacon, a poached egg. Hang on, let me write them down. Two rashes of bacon, two rashes of bacon, two rashes of bacon, a poached egg, poached egg. Uh, half an avocado. Half an avocado. Slice of toast. Egg, slice of toast, slice of toast. Two shredded wheat. Two shredded wheat, two shredded Maple syrup. Maple syrup. Blueberries. Maple milk. A nice cup of... cup of... Cappuccino. cup of... cup of... 175. So I said. You need to be listening for a little while to, for that to make any sense. Yeah. And normally it works, but I don't know. It must be the change. And what, time is the, what time does the British... Powerlifting uh, <laughs> tournament start. <laughs> That's the sort of breakfast you see. You'd see a picture of Jeff Capes a couple of weeks before, and he'd have this platter with what you've just described on it. I know. And he'd say, "But you know, I, I know I'm going to work it off once I once I start <laughs> yes. throwing that shot." It's bad, isn't it? But and you've got the munchies now. I know. What are you going to do? Okay, Never mind. I shall soldier soldier on and yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. I don't want you wasting away. <laughs> no. you know, that that um, cannonball you got there. I think you'll be all right. You've got some reserves, Andy. No, it's, it's, it's oh, gone yeah. down. I've noticed that. Yeah, 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 yeah Peter Andre sitting next to me at one point. <laughs> Unlikely. Anyway, anyway uh, Alan Brazil's book has been oh, serialised. Yeah, I think we're going to have Alan on in a couple of oh, weeks it's great. to, to talk about it. Yeah. The headlines, perfect. honestly, whoever interviewed Alan has done a great job here because they've really got the essence of him. Because the headline says, it's just not for me, Beaky. It's not right, yeah. Beaky at the end. Yeah. And it's basically Alan talking about women's football and it's so fun. No wonder people love him because, you know, a lot of people sort of pretend to like women's football. Yeah. So, but Alan <clears> calls <throat> it like it is. You know, so I believe the whether person... You, whether you agree with him or not, you have to admire him for that. Yeah, the, the person interviewing him is uh, Isabel Barker who came in and saw us. She was the oh. winner of the oh, first she's Vicky Orvice yeah. scholarship. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Well, Here she's at... really done a fine job, yeah, I have to no, say. They, they, yeah, she's really got job. under his skin. Yeah. And uh, also there was a photo of... Uh, he's a great actor, isn't he? Colin Farrell, I loved him in Imbruge and many other things. Oh, yeah, fa- yeah. Fabulous actor. But he's playing the penguin know, in the yeah. new Batman It's completely film. different, isn't well, it? Well, what's the point? What do you mean? What's, what's the, the point? point? If you wanted somebody who looks like that, why don't you get George Graham? He's basically George Graham. <laughs> yeah. Why get Car- does... Colin Farrell to look like George Graham? It, it's handy, so much though, prosthetic. Because when they do the George Graham story, <laughs> when yeah. they do the George Graham story, um, yeah. Colin Farrell can play it. Can't can. They can do the old eighty nine. Make he's they do perfect. that that film of of eighty nine winning at Anfield. Yeah, they can uh, they can get Colin Farrell in. But it's like, what's the point? I mean, why did <laughs> why did De Niro play Jake Lamotta? You know, why did any actor put himself? You know, Christian yeah. Bale wouldn't have a career unless he did stuff like <laughs> that. Suppose, that's true. You know, it's, yeah. what's well, the point? point. There point. we are. Uh, I don't know if this is a sign. I don't believe in omens, but uh, tests on feathers from the vulture Vigo, who's been touring the UK for months. Yeah, I've got one of his tour jackets. There's no surprise, is it, that this year there's a vulture hovering over Britain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, the trouble is he's been he, he, he's, not, he's been eating roadkill. Has um, he? And of course, well, it means like Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. No, not. He doesn't sort of cook it in a light jus. <laughs> he he just devours it on I the roads on the roadside. Heavyweight, really. Yeah. yeah, but no. What he does, he's he's mm. kind of getting in the road, and he's a big fella, so mm. he looks like a small dog standing in the central reservation, the M25. So he's been <laughs> really? causing problems. I've, I've read about this vulture. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport.
Ben Jacobs here on TalkSport. Andy, you, you bring us news of something, is this yeah, right? Our old friend Tancredi Palmieri on Twitter has just tweeted this. He said, Cristiano Ronaldo's sister and mother have shared a message. If it has to be Cristiano Ronaldo to wake up the world, then he is sent by God. From today, thousands of people won't believe any more in COVID and tests. It's the biggest fraud ever seen. Well, because he's asymptomatic. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you know, younger Honestly. people that are physically fit are more likely to be asymptomatic. Not yeah. always, but... No, no. But, but I mean, if you test positive, you if you wipe... test positive, what are they saying? The, the, the test didn't, wasn't right. I don't know. Just because he's not ill. That's I don't know. Drill down into that later strange. on. Don't forget, breakfast uh, tomorrow, Arsene Wenger will be joining Alan Brazil, Ali McQuist and Jamie O'Hara. They're going to have a little half-hour chat about his new book. What, Alan's new book? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't Alan, it? Alan, I love your book. It's great. Well, join us now, Arsene Wenger. Arsene, you must love my new book. <laughs> that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> and he thinks he's on to talk about his. They just do yeah. half hour on Alan's. For me, Arsene, not really. Perhaps that bloke in Paris that Alan ended up in his room was yeah. Arsene Wenger. <laughs> it could have been, yeah. Fighting in his room. I've heard, I've heard a few of Alan's stories yeah. in his book because when we did the... Sure. The kind of gig in, in Ipswich a little while ago with Ray Parler. He does, he brings them to life when he when he does the old after-dinner set, Alan. He does all the actions. He's fine. It's like you're being back in the hotel room in Paris and he's wrestling naked with this man on the bed. You need to read the book. Anyway, uh, we move on because down at Collingham and Linton Cricket Club, West Yorkshire, um, do we, we, we couldn't find, we were just trying to find if we could, the song of the Hoopoe Bird. Oh, Unfortunately, really? that's not troubling the people on YouTube just yet. <laughs> I but, can do the uh, bitten if you want. <laughs> it goes apparently it goes hoop hoop. Does it? Yeah, that's the hence the I name. The name, yeah. I'm, I'm sure absolutely sick of the sound of it. And indeed, <laughs> people treading all around his uh, his ground is the head groundsman, uh, Collingham and Linton Cricket Club, and that is uh, Bill. Oh, he's not there. Oh, sorry, he's not there. I'm, I'm being told he's not with us. Oh, oh dear. Okay. Oh, what a disaster! That was like he's getting sorry. quite excited. They've got I'd, the picture of the bird. I had a headphone me. issue. I was doing the big build up, and we can't get Bill. What's going to happen there? Maybe the the well. hoopos attacked him. I certainly hope not. <laughs> okay, well, we'll keep going then. Yes. All right. Or, or us, you mean? Well, yeah. Well, I've, oh, okay. Uh, if you want to sing a few songs from the shows, I mean, I don't <laughs> see what the option is, Andy. I can't magic up a guest out. Jackie nowhere. Stewart, the great racing driver. Of course, we got uh, Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert on later. But yeah. uh, Jackie Stewart's been talking about. He's been responding to the fact that. Uh, I don't think Lewis Hamilton was particularly impressed with the, the fact that uh, Jackie Stewart didn't really rate him, but that, well, Jackie he, says that's not true. He says that's true. not the case. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know we know that uh, Damon Hill and Johnny do because they talk about it in their books, and we will be discussing that a little bit. No, later he on. says I'm not trying to diminish Lewis. I hold his performances with incredible respect. He's the best driver of the present time. I'm disappointed that he thinks that way. The greatest, I believe, was Juan Manuel Fangio. But you know, it's difficult for Lewis. You can't remember what Fangio was. I've probably never even seen him. But the point Followed Jackie Stewart makes, I think, is a good one that we talk about greatest of all time. Now he sports, says, Is it correct to say a, someone is the best? It's just a pub conversation. Oh, you yeah. can't arrive at an answer, can no, you? You can't I've ever always said that definitively to you. say who the greatest is. Half the is. programs on Talksport going out the window, but I've always, <laughs> I've always said to you, It's pointless that. Is Lionel Messi better than Pele or Sir Stanley Matthews? Oh, eight, seven, well, one, he's, no, he's definitely better than Sir Stanley Matthews. I mean, he was all right, Stanley, but, he wasn't as but good in as his time, I mean, that's the Fangio argument, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah. Fangio's driving a very different car. Um, and, and we're doing it now. Is See, Roger is Federer better than Rod Laver? You get sucked no. into it. 
was well, look, we've got ten minutes. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> deal with this once and for all no. and come up with a definitive answer that no one so. can ever question. <laughs> I've got a new idea. If you've got something you want to market, if you've got a new product, oh, yeah. all you've got to do is go and give it to Captain Sir Tom Moore. Right. That's what they do now. So to, yesterday they presented him with a senior rail card. So yeah. not that he really needs a senior rail car, but, of course, it's guaranteed to get publicity. Yeah. He stands there with the rail car. So I'm working on a set of uh, rollerblades, so I'm, I think I'm going to get really? them to him. Yeah. Play Funky Town like Malcolm <laughs> in the Middle. Can you, see, can you see Colonel Tom in a pair of rollerblades? Well, I, mean, I think he's game enough to give it I'll a go. I'll push him around the garden. I, th I think he'd... I think you'd have to... Good yeah, work. He'd have to, uh, yeah. I wonder if you'll be like Colonel Tom. You'll be like the Colonel Tom of talk sport in about... <laughs> Ten years. Oh, oh, I get, raise 39 million by walking around the studio. <laughs> <laughs> probably not that. No, no probably not. not. Andy, are you, would you call yourself an antisocial person? Yes. Uh, okay. Well, I've got a little tip for you. It comes courtesy of uh, Jamie East, uh, broadcaster and uh, journalist. Former colleague. Yeah. yeah, that's right, who tweeted something earlier on, Andy, that I thought you'd find of interest. And you might... This is this is a story. This is some story. This an antisocial Spanish woman reportedly pretended to be blind for twenty eight years so that she wouldn't have to stop and say hello to people in the street. <laughs> I wouldn't go to that length. Carmen Jimenez, fifty seven, yeah, told everyone, including her own family, that she'd lost her vision in an accident. Her husband and family were shocked when she came clean, yet not entirely surprised. They felt there was something fishy about her story. Her husband said she could put on her makeup perfectly. Oh, yeah. And that they sometimes caught her looking at the TV from the corner of her eye. <laughs> I've never been a very sociable person, she says, but pretending to be blind, I was able to avoid many social responsibilities. Did so, she go to the trouble of getting a guide dog? <laughs> I don't know what extent she went. I mean, she must have gone to the extent of... You know, yeah. the, the pretense. Of, but wait, well, it's yeah. a terrible tale, really, Andy. But it, well, it did strike me that very, very people are it very might odd. be. It might be. Do you want to hear from the Hoopo bird? We can't hear from um, the groundsman, okay. but we can hear the song of the Hoopo bird. Yeah, let's hear it then. Would you, here it is. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Now, are there two birds there? Is that all hoopoe? No, the hoopoe is, is the hoop, is the hoop, hoop, hoop. What are the other I birds? Imagine. I don't know what the other birds are. Not <laughs> very good, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Call yourself a twitcher. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, I really don't. What about Francis? We're talking about Ronaldo just now. Francis Eduardo Camavinga swapped shirts with the Portuguese star despite not coming onto the field. Oh, uh, wow. The okay, so he's a bit concerned there, is he? Well, yeah, they, he said, I won't wash it. He, he said, well, obviously, you've got to wash it now because, uh, you know, it might be infected. But somebody he said he's going to have to discard it in case of contamination. I think if you wash it, it'll be fine. You know, it's not that, it wouldn't survive a hot wash, would it? Probably not, Andy, because of what we're doing with all of our uh, cloth masks, aren't we? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Um, and now, we both watched last night, uh, yeah. but without knowing it, because we do everything together, don't we? Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's it, telepathic. We both watched The Playbook on uh, Netflix. Yeah, you, you, were, you were a bit more of a purist and went for Doc Rivers, uh, and I I did. I went straight to the Jose one out of interest. Like, I've not seen enough of Jose <laughs> yes. already on Netflix. Well, to be honest, I was about to watch Jill Ellis, and I thought, because I watched the first one with Doc Rivers, and then I was going to watch the Jill Ellis one. I thought, oh, no, I've got to watch the Jose one. And it's different to All or Nothing, because it's kind of more presented philosophy rather than his philosophy in action that the Spurs documentary is and uh, I just the thing about Marie he's, he's, when you examine his career it's an incredible career and the way he takes a club to his heart you saw that in All or Nothing yeah it's fascinating but I was more interested in a way because we've seen so much of him in Doc Rivers and 
he's much more of a philosopher than than Jose. Is. He's the coach of the 76ers, isn't he? No, he's the coach he? of um, uh, the Clippers. Oh, Clippers. Uh, and he was brilliant at the Celtics. And uh, he, he came up with this thing. I can't remember exactly how he did, but I've, I've never heard of it before. It's an African philosophy. Uh, philosophy. Philosophy. <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? It's philosophy. A, it's a ph- philosophy. <laughs> Stanley Unwin. I'm a philosopher. <laughs> and this, this is my philosophy. <laughs> It's, is that is that is that Why kind of I fast speak? philosophy? Is it like philosophy <laughs> philosophy at velocity? Is that's that it. is that that's what it is? Probably trying to speak too quickly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's it's spelled U B U N T U. I think it's pronounced Ubuntu. Yeah. And it's a it's a way of living, and and then basically it's I can't be the best I can be until you're the best you can be. And he adapted it to the team. Yeah. And he got them all to buy into it. He got the rookies, he taught them what it was, and he taught them this philosophy. And they then lectured all the other, the senior, because he had three star players that all, in basketball, was a very individualistic sport. Mm. You know, you can get a, Mm. one man can win a game for you. And often a a star wants to be the one that's always shooting. So it's very hard to get everybody to buy into the team ethic. Mm. And he used this philosophy to do it. It's fascinating. I do recommend it and if you're a coach either of an amateur team or more so a professional team watch this series i think you'll get something out of yeah it, you know? uh, what we discovered from the jose one that the moose is in it again that infamous yeah. exchange when jose first took over and he said have i got a look at you every day you're still here uh, joking but they used it as an example of Ari has a prickly relationship with the press but of course that was a joke that was, he was a having some fun yeah, it was a moose. bit taken out of context but they i love the fact that uh, i've mean, only watched about half of it but he he finally admits the laundry incident yeah when he I mean, when he hid in the he was banned from the game at Chelsea and, and he hid in the laundry it. basket it's yeah. fascinating the way he explains it I mean it was yeah. really elaborate but he did it for the team he that's did under it. a section saying the rules are there to be broken the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. 
Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, it's the Clips of the Midweek. Uh, box of old mini-discs, as we told you before, gathering dust in a corner of the yeah. old offices before we move. We're picked up and digitised by Yeah, one of we our should team. thank James Marston, who's been doing all this yeah. digitising for us. He's so brought them right up to date. Uh, they're, they're from March 2007. We have not heard them since. The producer has written some new intros, so uh, we look forward to uh, bringing them to you and, you know, hopefully reliving them ourselves. We begin with Mike Mendoza. On the, we've got some stories there. <laughs> on the overnight show, <laughs> taking a call. Uh, Dave's in Leeds. Dave, good morning to you, sir. Hello, is that me? Uh, I hope so, yes. All right. You're right, Dave. <laughs> you're right, Dave. You're right, Dave. He's yeah. not Dave, he's Mike. Yeah, indeed. Alan Brazil now, and a word he's always struggled with. Tell them to put a sock in it. For him to be critical of anyone's physique is to say the least hypocritical. He hasn't spelled that right, has he? <laughs> Honestly, hypocritical as he's got here. <laughs> I bet he didn't. I bet he was hypocritical. We've heard Alan say hip, hip, hip quite a lot. I'm waiting for the three cheers. Back to Mike Mendoza overnight again. And this is a novel way of complaining about a neighbour. Uh, William's in Banbury. William, good morning. Oh, good morning. Man. Hi there. I just want to, I'm in a, a bed and breakfast mm. called Coatfields House. Oh, yes. <laughs> is, that, is that in Banbury? Club mm. on the Oxford Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And someone is playing talk sport really loudly. Oh, good. And I'm not quite sure where it's coming from. I think it might be the house that backs onto it. Well, I hope they turn the sound off a bit more, yeah. If they're listening, can they just turn it down a bit? Mm. Well, it doesn't say turn it off. <laughs> it must have been very loud if it wasn't actually in the same hotel. It was over the street. We think it's there. Yeah, back the of, Mike Mendoza in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, there you go. marvelous. Um, is it? Uh, is it me? No, it's me. How about you? Go on. Here's Ian Collins talking about the Olympics. Well, I, I don't know what happened in Athens, um, but I'm, if you remember that they were still laying the tarmac just before the 500 meters. <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> Dirty boys. And sticking with the uh, Olympics, uh, here's a uh, very angry caller who thankfully managed to bleep himself. I'd rather see the money spent on the NHS than some kid with a gold medal. <laughs> <laughs> Self-censorship. Yeah. Yeah. There's a point there. Yeah. Here's Mike Parry now alongside Graham Beecroft talking history. But yeah, what, what did, uh, what did um, Lenin say? Was it Lenin? Uh, was it Stalin? Stalin, I think it was. Stalin said, uh, uh, "Never mind, um, never mind, um, successful generals. Give me lucky generals any time." Oh, okay? was it Napoleon? Anyway, it could somebody... have been Napoleon, even. Yeah, could have... <laughs> never mind, uh, never mind. Uh, he was known for that, Napoleon, wasn't he? Uh, this is uh, Jim Proudfoot. Ridiculous. <laughs> this is Jim Proudfoot taking a call. Keith, good evening. Hello, good evening. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> nice, isn't it? Yeah, not your show, mate. It's like Morecambe and Wise. <laughs> it was. Janet Fish- Webb. <laughs> now, here's Fisherman's Blues host Nigel Botherway uh, getting a bit racy. If you're out there fishing on the bank, if you've been at it all night, you should know the number by now. Do give me a call. Let me know how you got on. Have you got one in the sack? Do <laughs> <laughs> you really don't call and tell him that? You're asking for trouble. Uh, this is the former kickoff host Terry Christian alongside Mickey Quinn. Where's your entertainment? Uh, Where's your money's you, worth? You've hit the knuckle on on the head. <laughs> Well, it, yeah, right, it? yeah, it comes from a boxing family, <laughs> Mick. Does, That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, yeah. it's back to Graham Beecroft with Alvin Martin going full partridge. 
Who would have thought, you know, sharks are becoming a little bit endangered, aren't they, at the moment? The big, big sharks. But And you would have thought that that would have no effect on, on the food chain. But in fact, it's in North Carolina, the death and the killing of virtually every shark in the sea is wiping out the scallop beds. Why? Because it's allowing the other smaller fish around that the shark would take who like scallops, the, the shark doesn't take the scallops, but the smaller fish around the shark would take, and now it's taking the scallops, and therefore what? So it just shows you how uh, intricately interwoven things are in mm, nature. They'll be going up a few quid then, the old scallops in they my local, this, won't they? Yeah, certainly will. OK, let's turn our attention to the championship now. Delighted to welcome Peter B. Green. <laughs> <laughs> Peter B. Green, who, did he have an opinion about scallops or scallops? I don't, I've, got, I've got no idea, so it's, it's some gear change, isn't it? Well, from uh, over... Yeah, oh dear, that's that's a sensation. I've heard that for years. Completely, I didn't know that theory. Forgotten about it. Yeah. The well, shark don't theory. Don't don't engage in it, Andy, because you'll be no better. But I love the fact that Alvin suddenly thought he was going to be paying more for his starters <laughs> in his local pub. That was the main the main takeaway for him was that that he was, he was going to cost him a lot more money. He didn't care about mm. the old sharks, the big sharks, did he? So there we are. We'll have some more uh, old clips of the midweek from two thousand and seven ish for you next week. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. In the meantime, Andy, you've got a couple of minutes to work your magic. Well, that's good because I've got a new de- definition of insanity for you. Oh, have you really? Yeah. That's anyone who paid 1,400 quid to listen to Meghan Markle online. Honestly. Wow. It's incredible. For goodness sake. I love the... the, What was she doing on She was just talking about her life. What do you think she was doing? What else can she do? What's a snooker trick shot? No, she said... That would be good, wouldn't it? She said she found the courage to move, move back to America, and she said it wasn't easy. Because, I mean, travelling from your, to your own island in Vancouver and then on to an $11 million home in Malibu, all the humanity. <laughs> but wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been good if it had been snooker trick shots that you paid 1400 quid for some sort of insight and then she said... This is one John Virgo showed me. <laughs> yeah, she's got a whole John uh, Virgo's yeah, act. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I think that would be worth yeah. 1400 quid. That'd be... Uh, yeah. Then she did topped it off with an impersonation of Ted Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it was all quite... It was all quite snooker-based. <laughs> she puts her glasses on upside down, <laughs> says Dennis Taylor, and uh, gives a couple of choruses of snooker loopy. I like that, yeah. And uh, <laughs> that could work for me. the rare then. <laughs> Screw back. She does a country version of it. It's like Dolly Parton yeah. seeing snooker. Hey, look, it's never going to happen, is it? But, and she uh, sinks 16 pints like Bill Werbenick <laughs> to finish yeah. off. I Good. pay 1,400 quid for all that lot. Yeah, that's it. And uh, Harry's uh, head pops around the corner and goes... Good luck, mate. That's it. It's basically a vintage snooker, 1,400 quid, audience with. Yeah. (laughs) Never going to happen, is it? Never going to happen. Good idea, though. Good idea, though. We'll we'll put it to them. We'll put it to them. I mean, they seem to be up for most things. Netflix will buy it. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. We all love a sports documentary, and there is a new one for Mm. us to watch from the world. Well, I'd say it's from the world of basketball, but it's 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 a bit more than that. It's... It's, it's a, the Michael Jordan, but more specifically the story of the Air Jordans and the kind of cultural mm. uh, significance of them. The shoe phenomenon. The shoe phenomenon, absolutely right. Let's give you a little flavour of the film now from the trailer. The shoes gained very quickly a huge street value in American culture. And all of a sudden overnight, it was just like everybody wanted them. What the hell is a Nike doing? We're in now the 80s, and we're putting a black guy on television to sell shoes to white America. What he did in terms of global marketing and giving other black athletes a blueprint to do that was quite revolutionary. 
it was like what the Beatles were, people screaming, and then you had Michael Jordan. You had Paul and John roll into one. They had hoped to sell $3 million worth of shoes, and they sold $126 million the first year. Wow, wait. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, the film is called One Man and His Shoes, and uh, the uh, filmmaker joins us now, uh, Yemi Bamiro. Good afternoon, Yemi. Good afternoon, guys. Thank you for having me. Great pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the Last Dance, well, you've been working on this for years, um, mm. uh, but The Last Dance, of course, is, is I, I imagine, very useful from your point of view because this is something that's touched on within it, and people are, you know, probably... A, a greater audience uh, for Jordan and his story than than probably before. Yeah, I, I think I, I I was aware of the Last Dance in terms of I I knew that it was in production, but I'd always hoped that our little film would be out long before it came out. But yeah, global pandemics pretty much changed all of that. But we very much exist in the slipstream of the Last Dance because I think what the Last Dance did is that it showed commissioners it showed tv people film people that there is actually an appetite for all things michael jordan and you know just the way with the, the way things worked out we just happened to have a finished film that looked at michael jordan but also looked at the brand of michael jordan i.e you know the air jordan sneakers so yeah I, I think it sort of all worked out i mean they were aspirational weren't they 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 also were comfortable often fashion high fashion items are you know uncomfortable to wear but these are the opposite of that and they were cool so they you know they had a lot going for them didn't they yeah they they did i I think that they you know they changed the landscape of everything you know i think from a marketing perspective what what nike did with michael jordan remains the blueprint to which everything is based today in terms of like athletes or personalities or you know musicians are now the new pitch men just endorsing things and i think from a yeah, from a sort of uh, a stylistic point of view, yeah, they, you know, they were basketball shoes, but they were kind of like lifestyle shoes as well. They they were meant to be things that you can just sort of like go to the shops in, not necessarily play basketball in. But the way that Mark Knight did the marketing, it was almost like, you know, you can't be Michael Jordan, but you can have a piece of the thing that represents him the most, which were these incredible shoes that he was winning loads of championship rings in. So, yeah, Nike are really good at marketing. <laughs> And they were covered, that's, that's of course sure. they certainly were, they were coveted, they were quite hard to get, you'd have sort of limited editions, which sort of played into that as well that everybody wanted. And the fact the NBA didn't like the colour scheme on the initial ones made them a bit anti-establishment, didn't they? Yeah, I think from a sort of a marketing perspective, mm. it was like, you know, all the things that surrounded, you know, how this shoe came to be was just like a dream for Nike. Uh, in terms of them being marketing men. So the NBA banned the shoe. And then, you know, that was great for them because it just gave them a log line in which they could sort of like sell these shoes to America. And yeah, they did a great job. And, and that shoe is still, you know, revered and really hard to get now. So yeah, it, it, you know, I, I was obsessed with sort of like the timing of all this. I was obsessed with, you know, what was going on in the late 80s, you know, what was going on in the 90s, because, you know, these decades represented a breakthrough in lots of things. It was a breakthrough in sort of like the way that brands marketed to consumers. It was a breakthrough in, you know, the African-American uh, celebrity, uh, not just Michael Jordan. Uh, you can you can sort of like look at what uh, Eddie Murphy was doing. You mm. can kind of look at what Prince was doing, Michael, Michael Jackson. You know, it was kind of like at a time when all of this, you know, sort of like came to the forefront of American culture. And then the Air Jordan 
story and, and what Michael Jordan was doing on the basketball court was sort of central to that as well. So, yeah, I've, I've always been fascinated with it. And game-worn ones recently have been auctioned by uh, Sotheby's, which is incredible. Yeah. And also this thing of... I think that uh, an element of this is it does appeal to men who like collecting. Uh, I mean, yeah. our own Darren Bent here, yeah. he's, he's got the most marvellous collection, and I, I collect Air Force Ones, and there's also this thing of box fresh as well, this idea that you, you, you almost wear them once and then you never wear them again. All, all these different things that came up out of this culture. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's insane. I think the collector thing is, yeah, it, it's it's mind blowing. You know, there's a guy in our film, a guy called Jumpman Bostic, out of out of Detroit, and you know his his collection's outrageous. He's got thousands of pairs of you know Air Jordans, mm-hmm. and he wears all of them in his basement. And the insurance policy for his collection is like over a million dollars. You know, so it's a passion and it's an enthusiasm that these collectors have that is unrivaled. But you know, it's all because they kind of like love Michael Jordan and what he represents. You know, and and I think the trainers are just an extension of that. You also look, Yemi, at the darker side of of what was going on at that time, and the, the fact that uh, there was there were people assaulted and even a few people killed for their mm. for their trainers. And you spoke to the in the film, you speak to the sister of mm. of a guy who was killed. But you, you make the point that despite everything that had gone on, despite the fact that this guy was killed for his Jordans, he was actually mm. buried in a pair of Jordans as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I've, I've spoken a lot about this, and I think for me that was actually one of the most shocking sort of like elements of looking at the darker side of this phenomenon. I think you know, in in you know, to to, to this young man and to his family, you know, that these shoes meant so much that you know they buried him in a pair of Air Jordans, which I could I you know to this day I still quite can't get my head around that. But yeah, I mean, you know, the entry point into making this film was you know, to explore the legacy of the Air Jordan sneaker, sort of like warts and all. So the first 60 minutes just looks at this celebration of this this trainer and how this phenomenon came to be. But, you know, I remember being a teenager in South London and sort of like knowing that the Chicago Bulls were like the most incredible franchise and Michael Jordan was God. And I remember like stories of like kids on the New York subway getting robbed for their Air Jordan sneakers. So I, I kind of felt like a bit of a responsibility to sort of present you know, the whole the whole history and the whole legacy of the shoe warts and all. I didn't really want to revise stuff. I didn't want to, you know, conveniently leave things out. I, I felt that it was appropriate to sort of like present all of the facts in relation to how this happened and just leave it to the discretion of the viewer to sort of like make up their own mind about, you know, the marketing prowess and savvy of these corporate brands and, and how that sort of like all works. So, I mean, where can we watch the film at the moment? So you can still catch the film at London Film Festival uh, virtually. Um, you can catch it there for a few more days. And then we also have some preview screenings, like a few independent cinemas around London. So we have a preview screening on Friday at the Genesis at, in Myland. And then we also have another uh, preview screening on the 20th, which is next. Tuesday at the Everyman Broadgate and then we have our last preview screening on the 23rd at the Rio Dalston and then uh, yeah we get a, a wider release on the 2nd of November good. it should be in most Everyman cinemas Excellent oh, and uh, people can go and check out uh, onemanonhisshoes.com he's got all the details there on the website yeah. Yemi good to talk to you, best of luck with the film And you, thanks guys, take care There we are, Yemi, Yemi Bermiro who's made that film One Man on His Shoes it's a fascinating story and uh, with yeah, the trade is worth checking it gives you a really good flavour of the film and uh, if you get a chance to uh, watch it.
do so. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. Joining us now to chat about their uh, new book, Lights Out, at Full Throttle, is, uh, say, two giants of British F1, indeed. Uh, Johnny Herbert and Damon Hill. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. You go first, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) have you two have you two have you two always been mates damon uh well we've had our ups and downs i have to be honest you know i mean but we've we've got you know it's you know you can't not you can't not like johnny i've tried really hard i promise (laughs) (laughs) i I think that comes across in the book guys it's 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 fun and it's it's quite a nice format it feels very conversational yeah, and I think that was the, sort of the whole idea, wasn't it, Damon? It was it's something, you know, we've known each other for so long and it was lovely to talk about, you know, what we like about the sport, drivers we've been against, what we like about the sport now and the drivers that are that are around now. And it was just nice to have that lovely banter and I think it, I think it comes across pretty well. Yeah, it feels like a kind of it feels like a transcript of a of a of a, an event you've done or someone eavesdropping on a pub conversation you're having <laughs> where you're putting the sport to rights and talking about everything that goes on and you do cover a lot of ground team orders, safety, even the yips. Uh, there's some there's some some great war stories about Bernie Eccleston. You're talking about I love that chap. Yeah, that's yeah. that's very entertaining. I mean, you know, I think the other thing that comes across is just how important Johnny was to both your careers, and you, and you openly talk about that. Yeah, um, you know, Bernie. You know, if it wasn't for that man, then you know we wouldn't be talking about it today because he sort of changed the whole dynamics of what Formula One was in the 70s, and then he turned it into this global sport that we have today and of course with everything that's going on with you know where is formula one going to go in the future that was something bernie steered you know to the point of when he sold it to liberty media and uh, now we're in a transition once again to see to see exactly which which way formula one you know develops itself uh, in the coming years yeah jackie stewart uh, was uh quoted in the papers this morning he, I think he'd upset Lewis because he didn't include Lewis in his sort of top drivers of all time it's he made the point though it's always difficult to do that isn't it yeah I mean, I, I saw that um yeah who's talking Johnny me What's you go on? for it Damon first you go right, for it Damon. So that, I, saw, I think he's had a he's had a few He's had a few. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, it's always been a bit tricky with um, with Lewis and, and Jackie, and and we've I mean, had a couple of moments where I mean, Jackie's style is very much, you know, to to be as analytical as possible about the sport, and he made he was trying to make the point that it's very difficult to compare eras, but um, you know, Lewis is uh, you know of a different culture in a way you know from the point of view of his age and it's it's a different it's a different era and i think that you know it's very difficult um to uh just to, to you know for, for him to accept that some people are there to they're after their opinion and they give an opinion and um sometimes it's not a wholesome you know 100 percent approval sometimes it's critical and that's and that's okay too but you know, you you can't just say someone's wonderful the whole time if you don't think he's wonderful. But, um, you know, I think J- Jackie was trying to put it into context. And we, you know, we talk about Lewis in the book mm. and we talk about the kind of person he is. And um, I think he's very sensitive. And I think sometimes he gets hurt by what people say and, and, and then he responds with that. 
and uh, he shows how he feels. Yeah. Johnny, you do say you think he's, he's the best, don't you, in the book? Yeah, I do. And I say that because, like Damon said, you know, Formula One is very different than what it was when Sir Jackie was driving in the in the late 60s, early 70s, because, you know, you've got so much social media to deal with. You've got the media itself. You've got the, all the TV companies that when I started in Formula One, there were probably about four TV sort of companies, you know, who, who followed Formula One. Now, you've got probably, over, you know, about 15 of those all wanting a piece of you. So that's sort of pressure that you've got to deal with. The cars are are unbelievable sort of powerful technically advanced machines that the driver's got to get the very best out of and i think from the consistency from the the ability of him to stay ahead of the game against all his all his uh, drivers around him and even with max verstappen doing you know a brilliant job in red bull they're still not yet able to to challenge him and because of that i think it's just amazing that he is still on this fantastic journey equaling michael schumacher's uh, race wins now, and that was something I never ever thought I'd see before. And yeah. some people say, "Well, yes, he's had the best car, but yes, he has." So did Michael. Mm. So did Nigel yeah. Mansell. So did Alan Prost. Yeah. You know, everybody has a good car, but you've still got to be able to get the best from it. And has any of his teammates challenged him? Well, it's only one, and that was that was only Nico Rosberg. I mean, I just, that, I just saw oh, Johnny. Uh, I'll just say without stirring the pot too much. I mean, <laughs> I've just seen that that Sebastian Vettel is kind of refusing to acknowledge. Um, that that, that anyone, could be, anyone could be better than Michael Schumacher. But then, of course, you know, that was his hero when he was growing up. So yeah. uh, the debate continues. Of course. Damon, what about rivalries? Because the, I think Formula One at its best, there have been two great drivers or two great cars. Schumacher had this problem. Lewis has got this problem now, hasn't he? That people just, they almost don't appreciate it because he wins so regularly, not easily because it's never easy, but it, it appears easy. So if you're if you're slightly faster than everyone else, uh, whether you've got a better car or you're a better driver, uh, it, you you can back off a little bit. It does, it's a little, you know, you've got a margin. The rest of them are pedalling flat out to try and keep up. Um, so it can look easy. Um, but um, but jo- Johnny's won a race. He can he can tell you what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, buddy. It was three. <laughs> uh, there's some some funny moments in the book as well. Plenty of those, and uh, you talk about fame, the pair of you. And uh, there's there's a couple of uh, people around the world who have um, tattoos of your respective autographs on their person. Both of you had that same experience, didn't you, Johnny, where someone come up and said, can I have your autograph, write it on my arm, and then they came back to you, and there was the uh, there was the tattoo of it. Yes, it's uh, quite a strange thing when you sort of hear that, that that's what they might do, but when they actually do do actually do, <laughs> do that tattoo, it is quite... Quite, uh, yeah, quite strange. Yeah. And I, I think the other one I've had as well is my crash helmet was was uh, tattooed onto a young lady's sort of, and she was only about fifteen at the time, unbelievably. So on a on her shoulder. So yeah, there's wow. been a couple of couple of odd ones. Yeah. Then you come back and you find that they've been uh, they've been forging your checks. <laughs> not so funny then, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. No, thankfully it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> uh, Damon, you featured in the uh, recent Murray Walker documentary that we watched in lockdown. It was a fascinating thing. He's a great figure of Formula One as well, isn't he? Yeah, of course. You know, he, he, he was he, he lent his voice to to our sport. You know, and it was mm. along with the chain, the music, the chain. You know, it was it was it was James and and, and, and Murray, and who who. 
who rounded up and summed up our experiences. So when Johnny, because uh, he loved Johnny, um, you know, uh, when Johnny won, you know, it was, you know, he had to stop because he had a lump in his throat for Johnny as well. Yeah. <laughs> have you got happy memories? <laughs> Only one lump in the throat. Yeah. yeah. I think people will get an idea of what the book's like from all yeah, this. Yeah, that is very much the, the, the to and fro that uh, that goes on. And so, um, Johnny, generally, things have worked out pretty well. I think we spoke to you just as Formula One came back. Um, yeah. But, you know, things have worked out very well. And even uh, Damon mentions in the book talking about uh, Lewis and whether he'll still have that hunger when it comes back, whether he can keep the momentum going, uh, and he clearly has. So it's it's been an interesting time, but the, the sport continues. Yeah, well, we've been very fortunate that sort of Liberty Media and Chase Carey who's ahead of that, has been able to sort of get everything together, all the teams on board to sort of, you know, get this sport up and running. And now we're just over halfway through. It's uh, it's still being very popular with, with the fans uh, tuning in to, uh, to TV on Sky. And that's a great thing. But, of course, now we've got Stefano Domenicali coming in, ex-Ferrari man who's going to take over Chase Carey's position, very popular uh, within the paddock so there's a lot of good things it looks as if uh, you know we're going to come Formula One's way there's still issues that have got to be sorted out you know it's a big uh, big shock to the system when obviously Honda uh, decided to pull out so yeah there's still a lot of things that need to be done and I think Stefano is is the man to be able to steer it in the right direction but Excellent. it's Formula One yeah it's great it's running good stuff Johnny Damon thanks ever so much for joining us best of luck with the book Brilliant. Paul, Paul, someone's been tampering with your Wikipedia page, I see. Who, mine? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. yeah. All right, and yeah, yeah. You want to you want to see Andy's? Honestly, I'm about 73. My dad invented the Muppets. Yeah, it's complete nonsense. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> he wouldn't be working with me if his dad had even invented the, the photo. Muppets. It's not even a photo of me. It's a photo of like a hideously ugly version of me. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Don't let on. Well, brilliant. All the best. <laughs> Cheers. Take care. Uh, Johnny Herbert and Damon Hill there. The book is called uh, Lights Out, Full Throttle. It's a lot of fun. There's some good stories in there. If you love your Formula One, you'll very much enjoy it. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We're back tomorrow from one. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Well, look, thanks for listening. Enjoy the football and we will catch up with you then. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 